Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined by Jamie D'Amico here on Believe. We have entered the month of August. It is officially our first podcast of training camp. Uh, what an unusual training camp this is for the Bills and the 31 other NFL teams. We broke down last week on the podcast. Uh, some of the COVID regulations, the safety protocols, uh, the testing procedures the league was going to roll out. And uh, Jamie, so far, you know, despite the league's best efforts, we have seen a lot of players have to uh, opt out. Some teams have been hit harder than others, but our Buffalo Bills had a pretty big uh, loss, if you will, opting out in the 2020 season, starting up front with nose tackle star Latule. That's I don't look, I don't besmirch anybody from stepping away or looking out for their family and saying they're not going to play this year. But that's a huge loss for starter not beyond this defensive line. At 330 pounds, literally and figuratively, that's a big loss. So, you know, a lot of the fans out there have been really down on Star this past season. But, you know, upon looking at the film, the guy's doing what he was brought into Buffalo to do. He's clogging up the middle and doing it quite well. And that's going to be a big loss that the Bills are going to, again, physically have with the, the the giant of the nose tackle. And Eric Washington, the new defensive line coach, was so stoked to start his defense with Star Latule up front as the run clogger and the, the lane space taker upper. Uh, <laughs> a great title I just created for our boy Star out here. But, you know, we're going to see more and more players, unfortunately, opting out saying that they're not going to play this year due to health concerns. I don't blame them at all. Um, the Bills had some news besides Star coming up. There were a couple more names who have been added to the list. Uh, Dane Jackson, the seventh-round selection out of Pitt, the cornerback, is on the reserve COVID-19 list. Third-year safety Saran Neal was on the list. But then I believe there was some news that came back recently where he had a negative test as well. Um but at one point he was on, yeah, he tested negative for COVID-19 following a positive test earlier in the week. And this is going to be a fluid state, Jamie, where these news of, of who tests positive, things are going to change pretty consistently where, you know, one day you might be in the clear and then the next day there's a player who tests positive. Um, as of right now, there's five bills again on that list. We said Dane Jackson, Saran Neal, uh, DT Vincent Taylor, wide receiver Duke Williams, and undrafted rookie free agent Ike Brown. I don't know. I I just I feel like the more this goes on, 
the less my glimmer of hope for the season taking place uh, continues to shine. One of the things that interested me the most is that the Bills sent their rookies home. They basically said, you know what? Um, it seems like we have too much going on here in camp. We want to get you guys out of here and away from the building. And from what I'm seeing on things like the NFL Network, the Bills are being applauded for being so proactive about it. And they're saying that other teams should probably fall suit. How long has it been since the Bills have done anything that the rest of the league has tried to emulate other than, you know, the way they're building the roster under Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott? But this this bodes well because they're showing proactivity and that can't be a bad thing. But I'm with you. There's some real concern here because football is a contact sport. There is no way for, you know, people to prevent people from breathing on each other. Um, you've got 80 guys in camp. That's a lot of people, plus the entire training staff, the entire coaching staff. Um, you've got all the all the people that are there to support training camp. It's a lot of people in a small space. Now, what can they do about it? Well, I don't know. Can you monitor your players 24-7 to make sure that they don't have contact with anybody outside of the building? I just don't think that that's I, I don't think that's realistic. The onus has to be on the players. And look, to a man, many of them are saying they understand the rules and regulations. And nobody, I don't think, wants to cause the cancellation of the season due to their malpractice or malfeasance uh, off the field. But these are people who are, if they're used to going to a nightclub, if they're used to going out, if they're used to doing whatever they want to do unfettered, they're, they're millionaire athletes, they're athletes who make way more money than the average person does, and they're used to doing what they want to do when they want to do it. So I get that there's an adjustment to being told how to live your life, but if the players don't you know, tighten up their belts, if the teams don't find a way, just like Major League Baseball, to rein in the, the testing and rein in the fact that these players are testing positive, you're only going to see cases spike because the NFL doesn't have a bubble. You know, I think the NBA and the NHL, which just got their seasons back in action this past weekend, I think they're the sports that have the best chance to go the distance, even though they don't have a true bubble in the fact that support staff can still come and go for the hotels and for the restaurants. All of the players and coaches and journalists are in one building and they're not leaving. So that's the best odds you have of fighting this virus mm -hmm. is not allowing the foreign factor of the uncertainty of just traveling in the outside world and what you might bring back with you. I just don't think football could pull off a bubble, but I will say this, Jamie, and I want your thoughts on this. One rumor I heard about the NFL is that they knew being the last of the four sports to go has some benefits. They've gotten to sit back and watch the faux pas committed by baseball They've seen the bubble work for the NBA and the NHL, and they've had time to plot their recourse in regards to COVID-19. I've heard there's flexibility when it comes to the start of the season and also the end of the NFL season where you might see the season get pushed back four weeks, eight weeks, even as late as starting in January and having the Super Bowl wrapped up at some point for a truncated season sometime in March, if that's what it took to get a season off the ground. I don't think that's a bad idea. I, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. And we were talking about it a little bit off the air. And here's my conspiracy theory. 
I think they're planning on starting late, but they're bringing players in now so they can keep an eye on them. So you don't end up with stupidity like the picture of Ed Oliver that ended up on Instagram out on a boat with seven other people partying it up. Guess what? That's how it gets spread. That's how he's going to come down with COVID and then he's going to pass it to his teammates. I think, I honestly think that they want to be able to watch after the players and keep them where they are, where they have less to do, where they're not in their hometowns, where their their family and friends are all trying to gather around. They're going to get them in a football mindset. And perhaps even if the, if the, if the season starts late, they'll be a little bit more studied up and ready to go. What do you think? Do you, do you think that they're actually thinking this far ahead and playing the chessboard this way? Well, first of all, Ed Oliver, um, to take a line from the Lonely Island song, he was on a boat and we'll never forget because that picture was all over social media and it was really an epitome of what not to do during the pandemic. And it was really shocking to see the Cavalier attitude towards the virus that he and uh, his peers were displaying by being on that boat without masks and all that. But that being said, yes, NFL is all about control. The owners are all about control. These are as much as they're players, they're pawns in the business world of the NFL and they want to get their sport going because you're talking about a $4 billion shortfall as of right now with the loss of fans in the stands. If there's no season, that number exponentially jumps And even if you're a billionaire, losing that kind of money is going to make a dent in your overall portfolio. I see exactly like you said, Jamie, the control piece of it. They want to have their players under their roof, under their rules, following their restrictions so they can have at least some fighting semblance of a chance of getting this season off. And once they start the season, I think they're way more likely to finish it. The key is just getting to the starting point getting those games underway and having them safely underway too. again with what the NBA and the NHL has done. Those are two standard bearers in my regard. Again, it's very early. The seasons are two days old for the NHL and three days old for the NBA at the time of this recording. But if they can quarantine their own players under their own facilities and have them follow their own rules and have the season start later on and give this time to see what the virus is going to do. And if there is going to be that dreaded second wave coming up this fall, I think we have a better chance of football being played that way than saying the bills and jets are going to open up in the middle of September, which I just don't see happening at this juncture. We're having good news on, on vaccines being created. Um, you know, we, we actually have gotten to the point where one is being tested on humans. That's a huge step. The closer we get to having a vaccine, the closer we are to having a football season. So that's what we all have to hope for because it just doesn't seem like, well, trying to get everybody on the same page in the U S is, has been a lot like herding cats where, you know, people, people are going to do what they're going to do. You know, um, for, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, that's, that's how it is. So, um, is that what we have to wait for, for an NFL season to happen? I know the owners would prefer it because what would you really lose if you set the schedule back by a few months? What, what would be the downside of that? You have your tradition of, you know, playing in the fall, but what if, what if it was spring? I I imagine that the only downside would be a shorter offseason next year, and maybe you would have more injuries as a result of that next year. But for this year, 
I don't see a downside to it. None whatsoever. There is, Jamie, you're right. There's no downside to being erring on the side of caution. Even if the move is motivated by money, it's still erring on the side of caution to push back the start of the season. There is this void. The NFL has always talked about wanting to push back their Super Bowl. Whether they want to fully admit it publicly or not, the NFL wants to capitalize on the dead time that is February and March until March Madness takes place. And if you push back the start of the season, you can capitalize on that window. People are ravenous for live sports right now, and they're especially ravenous for the NFL. If you have the seasons going into February and even into March where there is no football, you know, that's a major void out there in the professional sporting world during that time in the calendar. I think they could really make a lot of money for themselves. I think fans would eat it up. And most importantly, trumping all of that is the safety and well-being of the players who are putting their lives on the line to uh, to play this game called football. I hope that happens. I hope cooler heads prevail. But in the meantime, Jamie, I think we're going to see more and more news of yep. soft tissue injuries, of hamstring pulls. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. But it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. And we want to transition from a player who, you know, has excited the Bills in his performance on the offensive line. But the news came out earlier this week that John Feliciano, the starting right guard for the Bills, suffered a torn pectoral muscle just working out on his own, not doing a contact drill, not doing a one on one. He was just working out on his own. He suffers a torn pec uh, conservatively. 12 weeks is the expected recovery time. He is saying he's going to be back for the Bills game versus the Las Vegas Raiders on October 4th in week four. I don't see that happening. I'm never going to tell, you know, Mongo that he can't make it back in time to be out there because if his recovery goes smoothly, 
then that's awesome. But I just think that's a very ambitious timeline. And, uh, and so Jamie, what this does is it takes an area where the bills were yes, returning all five of their starters. But if you ask any fan, the biggest question mark on this team right now, yeah, Josh Allen's development is always going to be the elephant in the room, but it's the offensive line and how good they are. So what is your take on the loss of Feliciano and what this is going to mean for a unit that really needs to step up and perform to make this offense reach the heights that it can? The Bills offensive line was middle of the pack this past season. Uh, They were tremendously improved over seasons prior, but they were not dominant. And the place where they had trouble as the season wore on was on the right-hand side of the line. Cody Ford struggled at right tackle. Feliciano, he was solid, but he was average. He was an emotional leader, and and that's something that you really can't underestimate, especially in a in a Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott environment. They they love those guys, but I was under the impression that he was actually replaceable. Now they didn't bring in anybody who was better than him or with a better track record, but they did bring in some guys that look like they can play. Uh, Daryl Williams is a former pro bowler at tackle. Now he's not a tackle anymore. He's, he just, he doesn't have the movement that he once had. So they're probably looking at him playing guard and that specifically that right guard position. Um, and they brought in a few other players. Um, they're bringing back Spencer Long and Ike Betker. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition there. Now, one of the places that Brandon Bean always does a great job is he brings in a lot of offensive line talent because players in the NFL that have experience on the line, they're valuable. And he has a knack for trading them for assets that you, you wouldn't ever think that Wyatt Teller would bring back two draft picks, but somehow they did. And Brandon Bean (laughs) got it. Um, so it looks like it looks like Brandon Bean looked into his crystal ball and said, "Hey, you know what? We're probably not going to be as lucky as we were last season with the injuries and you know, let's let's load up, let's have a lot of competition there and see who comes out on top. I like Daryl Williams. What do you think?" Yeah, Daryl Williams to me is definitely I think has the inside track to get this job to take over for Feliciano. And I want to say on the Feliciano news, this hurts because look, Feliciano is not, he's never going to be considered the best right guard in the NFL, but he was more than serviceable. He's somebody who bled Buffalo blue and was a really loyal and passionate member of this team. He loves Bill's mafia. And you hate to see somebody who is so passionate about the game and about the city where he plays have an injury that takes him out on the very first day of reporting to training camp. Like that's this one really hurt because I like Feliciano. He's got a good personality on social media. I like what he brings to the table. I think it can be replaced, but before I give you my thoughts on Daryl Williams and his replacements, I really quickly want to talk about the timeline for this because even though he thinks he's going to come back for the week four game against the Raiders, This timeline, if that happens, it's quite accelerated and very rarely do you see an offensive lineman come back or any player come back under that that short of a time period. He Most of the reports are it's going to take two to three months for him to come back to the playing field with the Buffalo News saying it could be three to four months for Feliciano to return. Mm -hmm. If you take a look at the recent examples 
of players coming back from this type of injury. J.J. Watt and Quan Alexander are two that I want to spotlight. They came back last season after 10 weeks off the field. But that's with everything going according to plan. And that was also with the carrot of the playoffs uh, looming for both of those players to get back on the field. I say with all the certainty in the world that I don't doubt Feliciano and his hustle and his mentality trying to get back out there. I will be very surprised if he's on the field for week four. And I see more likely being week eight or week nine that he's able to come back. And even then at that point, who knows what his capability is going to be on the field because, okay, JJ Watt is a a very talented pass rusher. His best days are behind him, but he can still cause trouble and get in the backfield as we saw in the playoff game with the bills last season Mm -hmm. for someone like Feliciano who he's that gritty. He's that warrior on the offensive line. He has got to get it, be explosive with his hands and to cause enough chaos to give his quarterback time to throw the ball and the backs time to run through the holes. I just wonder how effective he can be with a torn pec muscle that he's recovering from in such a crucial area of his game after only eight, nine or 10 weeks. I think that's going to be very hard to fulfill. I don't see it coming out, uh, positive for him there you know usually pec muscles if it happens before the season or at the very beginning like you said you might see the player at the end of the year but a lot of times a torn pec is a lost season and i know he's going to try like hell to get on the field because he's in a contract year but is it realistic if the season gets pushed back yeah absolutely but i'm with you he's going to miss at least half the season because it's a it truly is a three to four month recovery period. And of course he's being positive about it. They they all want to make it back faster. But I just don't think you can in this situation. I don't think I, you can I, either. I agree with you on that. And you know, what I'm I'm hoping for is as players get into camp that this two week conditioning period actually goes really well and that they and that the training staff is really on top of things because you don't want to see players starting to go down like this because one of the things you don't want is to have to start bringing in street free agents because who knows what they were exposed to and could they be bringing the covid virus to your team and you know what happens if 10% of your team comes down with it Basically, we're, we're seeing that with the Miami Marlins in that if 10% of your team has it, it's pretty much going to cause the entire team to go into quarantine. It could be bad, man. And Jamie, that not to step on your toes, that's a very good point about the outside element and the X factors of bringing in outside players. All this offseason, we've lauded Bean and we've lauded Sean McDermott for going with the known commodity. You know, you bring in an EJ Gaines who you have familiarity with, who, by the way, EJ Gaines has opted out of the 2020 season uh, due to COVID concerns as well. That broke earlier today. So he will be another player who is out for the whole season over COVID concerns. But they brought in players they had a familiarity with who either knew the Buffalo system or were very well-versed in what Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean like to do. And that is why I think, going back to your original question, Daryl Williams is the leading candidate to step in and replace John Feliciano. He was a second-team All-Pro, like you mentioned, at the right tackle spot in 2017. He did miss almost the entire 2018 season. Uh, 2019, he played in all 16 games, uh, 12 starts, 
four at the left tackle, five at the left guard spot, three at the right guard. He clearly has the versatility on the offensive line. He is signed to one of those prove-it deals, a $2.25 million contract for one year, uh, banking on himself to make a return to his all-pro form for 2017. I feel he is the most logical candidate to replace Feliciano in the starting lineup. And again, this is this is a unit that Buffalo for the offensive line, where if you go based on the stat heads and the metrics folks, the line ranked 18th in the National Football League last year. That was despite bringing back all five of their starters. So I don't know, maybe bringing in somebody like Adaro Williams, could he be worse than Feliciano? Possibly. But but I I, I see it being very equitable when you look at what they both bring to the table you know Feliciano has some good pulling abilities Daryl Williams is good at both sides of the run blocking and the pass blocking so I feel like he is the leading candidate to step in um, and take over for Feliciano at the right guard spot before we continue this thought uh, Jamie I want to get your thoughts on another candidate that is being discussed who this guy is polarizing some people hate him and think he's a bust Some people love him and think he just needs a chance to prove what he can do. The Cody Ford experiment. Is this the opportunity for the Bills brass to take him and move him back inside to right guard to see what he can bring? It's an opportunity, but the downside is I really don't see anyone who can convincingly man the right tackle position outside of Ty Inseki. And I don't know that at his age, he's going to be 36 this year. I don't know that he has I, I don't know that he has the ability to stay on the field for an entire year. I thought he was fantastic last year when he was on the field, but I I just don't know who would take his place. I think long term Cody Ford is a guard and this would be a perfect opportunity for it. But I I think people are saying that they think Daryl Williams can compete for that right tackle spot, and I, I hope that he can. I just don't think that he, after his injuries, I don't think that he can do what he used to do. Now, I'd love for him to prove me wrong and him to be the starting right tackle with Cody Ford moved inside. Um, what What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was going to say, I think if I'm, I'm hesitant as well, to automatically say you can pencil in. First of all, Ty Inchecki is going to be depth this year. I don't think he's going to be the answer if you were to shift Cody Ford away. I think if you were to shift Cody Ford inside, Daryl Williams is the guy that would take the right tackle spot. Again, he does have the all-pro experience of 2017 there. But the knee injury is, is concerning, and he did play all, again, 16 games in 2019. I think he can definitely play the right tackle spot if they need him to. But I just don't know if that experiment will transition, given, again, the fact the lack of the preseason, the lack of the conditioning and the actual hitting that you normally would have with a regular offseason. So to me, you have to weigh Cody Ford. Where is his long term value on this team? He can play guard. He can definitely play tackle. If there is such a pressing need that this team has to see what Cody Ford can do at a non-tackle spot, now is as good as any chance to bring him in and see what he can do at that right guard position. I just don't necessarily know. I would almost rather let the let the whole process play out, if you will, of having Cody Ford at the right tackle spot and just see what he can do. I know he's had his ups and downs, and I know that there's some draft analysts and pro football experts who think that guard is his best spot. 
But I just feel like if you take away Cody Ford, who has been training and transitioning for the right tackle spot since he came into the league, you're taking another roster spot and creating even more uncertainty versus rolling with someone like a Daryl Williams, who's probably better suited to be inside than outside on the offensive line or shoot, even give Spencer long or Evan Bame a chance to see what they could do at the right guard spot too. Spencer long is never going to be a stud, but he's held his own at the right guard spot. You know, he's got experience mostly center and left guard, but I think he could transition to the right guard spot. He had, I think 200 snaps there last season at right guard. So I almost feel like if you take Cody Ford and push him inside, you're creating yet another position of uncertainty on the offensive line. I'd rather roll with Cody Ford at right tackle, have Daryl Williams or Spencer Long or Evan Bame come in and be the right guard spot for this team moving forward. Ultimately, it comes down to me how well Daryl Williams plays in preseason. If he looks like the answer, then I think you might see some shuffling, but otherwise, I think they, I think Cody Ford stays put. Um, one thing that I wanted to hit on real quick before we finish up here is EJ Gaines opting out for this season. He's making a big mistake. He's making a, a, this is probably going to be the end of his career. He has a hard enough time staying on the field as it is, and if he if he sits out this season, he's going to have a very difficult time hooking on with the team next year. Yeah, I was this. I'm, I'm not disappointed because again, I'm not going to blame Gaines for doing what he thinks is in his best interest, but I was legitimately excited to see what EJ would do back in Leslie Frazier's defense. Um, the injury concerns, you're right. He's been erratic. He's been on and off the field when he's healthy. He's great. When he's not healthy, when he's off the field, he's doing nobody any good, uh, being on the roster. I just think this further cements the fact that Levi Wallace is probably going to be your starting CB2 outside Tredavious White. Maybe Josh Norman makes that step forward and reverts uh, to the cornerback that he was before getting put in the wrong system in Washington. But I don't know. It's kind of disappointing that Gaines is not able to be on the field in 2020. And I think you're right. It's going to be really hard for someone to take a risk on Gaines and give him a contract once you get that knack for being injury prone, it's real hard to shake it. I don't begrudge him for making the decision in favor of his health and protecting his family. Um, I just, you know, I think it's a mistake because of the long-term prospects of him being able to latch on with the team in, uh, in 2022, 2021 and 2022. Um, I know that his contract for this season will roll over to next year. Um, but you know, another year away, it's going to be hard for him. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that, as Forrest Gump once said. <laughs> well, Jamie, I do want to clarify one thing you said about uh, Gaines, too, in there. But one interesting part about the Gaines news is there are these COVID-19 rules we talked about earlier for roster sizes and all that. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott held a, a Zoom uh, press conference earlier on Sunday, and Bean said that he and the team is not allowed to bring in outside players until the team gets under their 80 person threshold on the roster. I believe with gains opting out that now gets the team to 80, which means you could start to see some free agents potentially come in, even though again, who knows where they've been, who they've been in contact with, what their exposure might be. But that's one possible thing to think about where this could lead to some other guys uh, coming in and competing for roster spots. And one more note on the right guard position, Brandon Bean during the same press conference earlier today, which really had some good points to, uh, to talk about 
regarding you know safety and how they're trying to get the players uh, back in action. Brandon Bean did confirm to the press that Cody Ford is one of the Bills players who will be competing for the right guard job. So that makes it official that the Bills are contemplating moving the former right tackle inside to replace John Feliciano. Boom. There you have it. Breaking news on Believe. A Buffalo Bills fan podcast here with Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, my pleasure having you on as always, buddy. Thanks for your insights. And uh, hopefully our doomsday prophecies of there being delays and whatnot to the 2020 season prove to uh, prove to not be true. Amen, buddy. All we want to do is have our players stay safe and hopefully get a season underway with how good the Bills are looking on paper. Whatever happens on the field, whatever happens off the field, you can always come back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast, to get the insights of myself, John Boccasino, and Jamie D'Amico. You can follow us on Twitter. He is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. We welcome your feedback. We welcome the interactions with our fans on social media. Until next week, this is uh, John Boccasino signing off for Jamie D'Amico on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.